Well, today's message is on a subject that seems kind of appropriate for uneasy times. We've been learning about the prophet Elijah. Pastor Bob um, taught us about how God provided for his needs and also how God empowered Elijah to have a great victory over false idols and false prophets. That was last week. You would think that Elijah, in the face of that great victory, might feel empowered. But the afterglow of that victory that he, um, he fought for for God didn't last very long. You see, King Ahab, he was the bad king at the time, went home to his wife, who was even worse, Queen De Jezebel, and told her how, after Elijah had defeated the Baal prophets, all of those prophets had been put to death. And Jezebel was actually their sponsor, and she was angry. So I'm going to pick up with the scripture this morning in 1 Kings chapter 19, where Pastor Bob's story left off last week. This is what it tells us. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there and while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. Have you ever had a victory melt into fear? I know I have. How does that happen? One minute we're basking in the glow of something that God enabled us to do. And we feel like we can just conquer the world. And then just a little while later, we're exhausted. We're fearful. We've allowed ourselves to get too busy. We try to work in our own strength. We forget that victory that God enabled to happen through us. And we run away. Sometimes we even lose our purpose. We wonder, what's the use? Is this all there is? That's what happened to Elijah when he forgot that God had empowered his victory. You know, that happens to us today. If you think about it, we have times in our life. I know that, um, there's a lot of students who, who watch this service. Maybe when you were in high school, you really looked forward to getting accepted to that dream college, your first choice, and you got that acceptance, and your family celebrated with you. Then you got to college, and you found out it was harder than high school. And you had to work, and you had to study when you really wanted to do the football games and the social stuff. And suddenly, your grades came home, and they weren't quite as good as they had been in high school. And you wondered, man, is this all there is? College was supposed to be so great. Or maybe you're a young couple, you've been looking forward to your marriage. You've gone through the pre-marriage classes, you planned the wedding, the rehearsal dinner went off, your wedding was like the, the event that you dreamed of, you were joined together in God's sight, you celebrated at a reception, and then a couple months later, the bills are stacking up. And you're finding out that there are little idiosyncrasies about your beloved that you never knew about. And you look into the future and you wonder, wow, 
this is marriage? Is this all there is? It happens to us in real life. And in real life, sometimes, like Elijah, we enter into the wilderness. He did that. He went and found a place in the desert and laid down under a broom bush and asked to die. Now, broom bush isn't exactly a big, magnificent kind of bush or tree. It doesn't bear any kind of fruit that's edible. It isn't big and leafy. It doesn't have a particularly large trunk that you can lean against. It's nothing like an apple tree or a fig tree. It's this scrawny bush. And sometimes that scrawny broom bush is a perfect example for the desert that we feel in our hearts. Elijah, you see, didn't just enter a physical desert, a geographic desert. He was in a spiritual desert and he needed help. He was exhausted. His self-reliance had failed him. He got disconnected from God. It was nothing like the time earlier in the scripture when God had provided for him the first message of this series when Pastor Bob taught us how there was going to be a drought and God warned Elijah to go into the wilderness. And Elijah responded by being obedient. And in the wilderness, first he was fed by ravens. And then he traveled further and met a widow and she fed him. He was being obedient, he listened to God, and he maintained his connection. But that, that's not what happened in the story that I'm sharing with you today. Today, Elijah ran for his life and found himself in a desolate and hopeless place. So I'm going to pick up the story where I just finished reading, and we're going to continue in 1 Kings chapter 19. He laid down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, strengthened by that food he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah responded. He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, Put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me. Now, I read that with a little more inflection than was probably appropriate. The point is, Elijah was having a first-class, biblically-proportioned pity party. But that's okay, because God met him where he was. And God meets us where we are, too. God provided food for him and a place to rest under the broom bush. It wasn't prime rib in the Ritz-Carlton, but it was sufficient for what Elijah needed. He sent an angel to encourage him and strengthen him so he could make the 40-day journey to Mount Horeb. And as we will learn in a moment, God met him there 
just as Elijah was, to minister to his needs. There are times when our experiences mirror Elijah's. We feel overwhelmed. We feel like there's no end in sight. We've been doing this worship online now for five months. I know there are those of you out there listening today who are feeling despondent and hopeless because I've talked to you and you've told me. I know that there are spouses separated from their beloved who's in a nursing home or a hospital or who can't be with the spouse who's getting medical treatment because of COVID-19. I know of parents who are wondering, are we doing the right thing, sending the kids back to school? Should we teach them at home? And then there's the parents saying, are we doing the right thing, keeping the children at home? Should we be sending them to school? These are hard times. They may not be the same kind of time Elijah experienced, but our feelings, in some cases, mirror his. And in those moments, we need to remember how God provided for Elijah, how God didn't leave him or forsake him, and how, ultimately, God revealed his goodness and his own self to Elijah. And the way he did that is important to this story. So listen, as I continue to read from the scriptures. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah offered the same whiny response. But we'll forgive him for that because we whine too. We cry to the Lord. Pastor Bob did a whole message series about how it was important for us to lament, to cry out the hurting in our heart to a God who cares. But we need to understand how it was that Elijah came to hear the gentle whisper of God. First of all, he stopped being so busy. He brought himself into a place of solitude. He rested. He slept. He ate. He did things that were healthy for his body and healthy for his soul. And then, after he was strengthened, he set his sights on Mount Horeb and he went to seek God. He didn't look for the spectacular. He listened and was quiet. God wasn't in the spectacular fire, earthquake, or wind. God revealed himself to Elijah in a whisper. And finally, Elijah was ready to hear. Now, you may be wondering why we're spending all these weeks on an Old Testament prophet named Elijah. You may say, you know, he's an Old Testament guy. His story is interesting, but you know... We're, we're a Christian church. You know, make this relevant. We, we want to hear about Jesus, so I'm going to give you some Jesus here too. 
Because Elijah is a biblical figure who also appeared in the New Testament, along with Moses. You might remember, if you know the story of Jesus' transfiguration, they were on a mountain together, and some of the disciples witnessed it. You see, Moses came first, then came Elijah, and then came Jesus to finish and fulfill all God had promised. The reason we need to look at someone like Elijah is because sometimes when we think of Jesus, we think only of his divinity, his godliness. We forget about his humanity, but with Elijah, we know we have a fallible human. And yet both Jesus and Elijah experienced victories, wilderness, and anguish. Elijah's victory came, as we learned last week, at the altar where he defeated the prophets of Baal. Jesus' victory, well, his victories came over and over again. He fed thousands. He fed thousands with a few loaves and fish. He healed lepers. He gave sight to the blind. He cast out demons. But his greatest victory of all was his victory on the cross. He died on the cross and went to a grave, but then he rose from the dead. And his resurrection was a victory over sin and death, a sin and death that he endured so that we might share in the promise of everlasting life. Jesus had victories. Elijah and, Egypt, and Jesus also had times in the wilderness. I've read to you about, Jesus, about Elijah's wilderness times today. And if you are a person who reads your Bible, you know that before Jesus began his public ministry, he was baptized by John the Baptist, and then he went into the wilderness. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted. He was tempted by the tempter and resist those temptations. And then and only then did he come out and begin his public ministry, the purpose for which he had come to this earth from the heavenly realm. Both Elijah and Jesus felt anguish and despair. We listen to his words today. Elijah's words today, he said, Take my life. I'm the only one left. There's not another prophet like me. I'm tired. I can't do this, God. And God responded by sending angels to strengthen him. After the, after the Last Supper, Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane. He prayed a prayer that was incredibly anguished. He was so anguished while praying that prayer that he sweat drops of blood. And an angel came and gave him strength to face the cross. Jesus knows our fears, our despair, our anguish, and he cares. You know, this message that I'm sharing with you today seems to have come during a time when there's lots of feelings of hopelessness or worry or anxiety, depression. And I'm glad to be preaching this today because I know the truth of what I'm saying to you because I experienced a terrible time of depression and loneliness last year in November. You might recall, if you're a member of our church, that 
I kind of disappeared from sight for four or five weeks. That's because I became like Elijah under the broom tree. Tired, afraid, lonesome. During those days I was away, I read a couple of books that were really helpful. One of them was called Silence and Solitude. It's by Ruth Haley Barton. It's a book about finding God through times of quiet and aloneness. And it's based on the story of Elijah. I also found another book called The Elijah Project. It was written by a woman named Andrea Polzinek. She suggests in her book that when we face a wilderness like Elijah, we should go through a process of following five steps. She calls them the five R's. They worked for me with a whole lot of help from people I'll tell you about in a minute. But her steps are simply this. When we are spiraling downward and feeling hopeless or feeling depressed or feeling anxiety that's overwhelming us, we need to realize it. And very often we don't because we bury all of that in our busyness. And once we realize it, we need to reflect on how we've gotten to that place. Have we become disconnected from God? What has caused us to lose that connection and to feel so hopeless when we are believers in Jesus Christ? And then, if broken relationships have something to do with our despondency, we need to do whatever's in our power to reconcile those relationships, and then if we try and we can't, we need to hand those relationships over to God, put them at the foot of the cross, and set our eyes on the future and move ahead. We need to find time to rest. That's the fourth R. Rest. Eat right. Exercise. Take a deep breath. Be quiet. Don't look for the spectacular, but strain our little ears to hear that still whisper when God speaks. And when he does, the fifth R, the wonderful R, restoration and re-engagement can happen. I know it works because it worked for me. I'm not telling you this story today for sympathy or for affirmation. Because what I learned in the last November was the affirmation I need to seek is the affirmation of God. I don't need sympathy. There's nothing to feel sorry for. I'm in a better place than I have been in a long, long time, even through all of this COVID stuff. And it's because I experienced a wilderness moment and I allowed others to be the angels who nurtured me. You know, I look at Elijah's victory. I had had a victory too. Some of you shared in it. Last June, many of you got on a bus and came to Lakeland where I was ordained. It was such a big deal to me. It was one of the best days of my life, but in the aftermath of it, I realized I had used looking forward to ordination as a way to avoid dealing with the fact that I was a widow and that my life was changing and that I moved. I kept myself so busy working for that goal, and then when it happened, it was just a little while later when I looked in the mirror and said, wow, is that all there is? Is there anything left worth looking forward to? I didn't recognize this myself. 
You see, angels don't just come in the form of those wonderful winged beings from heaven. Angels come to us in the form of people we see and work with and love every day. For me, those angels were our senior pastor and his wife, who are my best friends. They basically intervened and said, hey, you're not okay. And we want you to be healthy. And one day after worship, Pastor Bob said, Pam, you need to leave us for a while. And it was hard to go. But I had been consumed by busyness, disconnected from God. My friends called me out on it. And during the time that I was gone, a therapist, a spiritual director, friends from here at church, my sister Sharon, my daughter Debbie, all ministered to me like angels. And then I rested and I returned to you. And I'm convinced today that that happened to me last year because I didn't do right things in terms of taking care of myself spiritually. But it also happened to prepare me for a time like this to offer a word of encouragement and hope to people who are feeling equally hopeless, depressed, and filled with despair right now. After I went through the process, God allowed me to re-engage. I'm here today preaching to you. And I'm going to preach next week about how Elijah re-engaged after God recommissioned him for a purpose. I hope you'll join us. But in the meantime, if anything I've said today touches you, if anything I've said today sounds like what you're feeling, then I encourage you, don't try to recover in your own strength. If my story of depression, despondency, hopelessness means anything at all, then friends, I'm glad I shared it. If it helps one of you get through this difficult time, then we can say together, to God be the glory.